Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good evening, everybody. How many of you said good morning at some point walking in and around the facility? Yeah, a couple. I, I have not done it yet, except just then, kind of jokingly. Uh, but I like to say my context is off, right? Usually when we're greeting people in here, it's uh, you know, 9, 30, 45, whatever in the morning. But anyway, so thank you for coming here this evening as we kick off the season of Lent. Now, you'll notice as we've talked about what Lent is, uh, Brent mentioned it uh, at the beginning of the service, Lent is that time of preparation that helps us get ready for Easter. And it's known by the acts that we do that help us draw closer to Christ. And there are three basic tenets of what that action or those activities are of discipleship that lead us closer to Jesus that we focus on during the season. And they are prayer, fasting, and giving. Now, I want to take a moment for each of these. Of course, we know what prayer is. Prayer is God's gift to us that enables us to communicate with the creator of the universe. Prayer is, uh, oftentimes we look at it like it's our gift to God. It's really God's gift to us. Prayer helps us center our lives. It helps put us in touch with the same power that created the universe, that rose Christ from the grave, and the same power that gives you a whole new lease on life. And so the season of Lent is known for preparing us prayerfully for the glory of Easter. Fasting, you have your uh, Lent together, our community fasting event. How many of you have already decided on something that you're going to fast, whether you just decided tonight you're going to do the community fasting? Yeah? Now, so the idea about fasting is you want to fast from something that you're going to miss. One of my long-standing jokes is that I easily fast from shellfish every Lent because I'm allergic to shellfish, right? So it's easy for, easy for me to say things like, I'm going to sacrifice my love of, uh, you know, shrimp scampi or some foie gras, whatever, you know, well, the foie, I don't know that's seafood at all. But anyway, still, it's easy for me to say that, but in reality, there's no sacrifice there. So when you are fasting, you want to fast from something that is going to be a sacrifice, that's going to be a discipline or a challenge for you. Now, this can be fasting from things that are not helpful. Uh, maybe you want to fast from, uh, you know, fast from drinking or drugs or, you know, porneia, all that other stuff. Maybe there are things that like, you want to fast on, and those are a really good thing for us to do. Sometimes when we are called to fast, we also can be called to fast from things that are good that might have a disproportionate amount of influence over our lives, right? Maybe watching the news is a good thing for you, but if you get over-involved in the news, maybe you need to fast from the news. That's just an example, right? And so um, I, I'm going to say to you guys, this is not an excuse to fast from vacuuming or doing the dishes, right? You know, we're not, don't worry about your dishpan hands. This is about doing something that's going to bring you and draw you closer to God. And then the third part of that giving is the time, the energy, the resources that you free up from your fast. Give that back to God. 
So if you are fasting from something that costs you money, maybe you're going to fast from Starbucks. And so that way you can take the $33 that you save every morning on that tall coffee. And then what you can do is you take that $33 and you put it back into the work of God in the ministry of the church. For example, things like our weekend snack pack program, things like things to help our student ministry or our edge kids or our hope kids or our nursery, things like that. Find a way to take the time, the energy, the money you save from the things that you fast from and put it back into the work of the church, the work of God's witness here at Hope Church in our community and, the, and of course, throughout all creation. The word Lent really, I think, is Latin or something like that, but it basically means springtime. We are at the tail end of winter. We are almost at spring, even though we have like an 81-degree temperature today. I mean, it just feels like summer is almost upon us. But this really, this stands for springtime, and it's to help us prepare for that which is to come. But Lent is also a season where we're going to see a lot of purple uh, in our themes. It's also a time of penitence that causes us to remember humility, the sacrifice of Jesus. And of course, because it lasts for 40 days, excluding Sundays, as Brent described, uh, this also helps us remember the time that Jesus spent in the wilderness when he himself fasted from food and from water. That was a supernatural fast that was made possible because of Christ's supernatural power. You do not have to fast from food and water until April 9th. Right? In fact, I would probably recommend you didn't, unless there are things in there, foods or candies or whatever, that cause you to have your attention strayed from the power of Christ. As we kick into this season, and I mentioned that it talks about Jesus' time in the wilderness. Do you remember what happened when Jesus was in the wilderness? Not just what he was fasting, but what also happened to him while he was in the wilderness? He was tempted. He was tempted by the devil. He was tempted with power and prestige and popularity. And, uh, and he, he was tempted. And so one of the things, it's a sub-theme, so to speak, about the season of Lent, is it calls us to be mindful of the things that tempt us. This comes back to the idea of prayer and fasting and giving. What is it that tempts you? How can you fast from those things? And to divert your attention, even if they are you know, seemingly good things, how can you divert your attention and put it toward God in furthering God's mission and ministry in the world? And so temptation is the theme that we're going to enter into in our first message, our first installment in our message series that will take us through this season of Lent called Seven Nevers from Scripture. Seven Nevers from Scripture. Our first never comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And this is what we read from the Scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. And you need to, all you need to remember is God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. So our first never comes back to that how God will never let you down. He will never let you be pushed past your limit. All too often this text gets misinterpreted. This is to say, God will not put anything more on you than you can handle. Right? The old joke comes back to why I wish God didn't think so highly of me, right? That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. It did not say that he will not give you more than you can handle. 
Because I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I felt like there was more on me than I could handle. And sometimes that was grief. Sometimes it was stress. Sometimes it was temptation. All the time, whenever I feel overwhelmed or overcome, you hear Sunday, hopefully that ring, will ring a little bell there. You feel overwhelmed, you feel overcome, you know that there is help for you. Anyone who was here on Sunday or listened to the podcast, do you remember what that word overcome means? It was our direct transition from our Galatian series and our Lenten series. It means a slip up, right? To be overcome means to slip up. It's like, oh, I didn't intend for that to have such a disproportionate influence over my life, right? It's just a little bit of temptation that grows into medium-sized temptation that grows into a mega temptation. It's what happens when we just slip. It's not intentional. We're not trying to succumb to that kind of stuff, but it's a slippery slope. Now, the other side of that was that we know that good overcomes evil. And so when we look at, back at our scripture from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we can see that God is going to give us the power to overcome us when we feel overcome by temptation or we feel overcome by stress or by grief or by worry or whenever we just flat out feel overwhelmed, overcome. Hopefully, there is some peace in there for you. That God is always going to be there for you. He'll never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll help you come through it. But friends, it isn't by your own power. We'll talk more about that on Sunday. But it's about the power of God, the power of Christ within you. That's where the prayer comes in. It's to center us in the presence and the peace and the power of God. So let's look at a word of caution, bless you, a word of warning, so to speak, as we begin to break down what this means for us. The first word of warning is that we cannot take God's grace for granted. That, to me, is one of the most nefarious temptations that Christians can slide into, is to take God's grace for granted. We know that God's going to forgive us, right? We know that God will never let us down. We know that God will never let us be pushed past our limit. So what's a little peek? What's a little taste? What's a little visit? You know, you know I mean, I do this kind of regularly. What's just a little bit, right? No. That's how temptation overwhelms us and overcomes us on that slippery slope. So we've got to be very, very careful that when we feel like, what's it going to hurt just to go all in? That we are not taking God's grace for granted. The other thing that can be part of our response and reaction to life is maybe we get a little arrogant in our faith or our ability to withstand temptation. Oh, well, that hasn't been a problem for me for a few minutes or a few months or a few decades. So again, what's this little peek? What's little dabble? What's little taste? Right? We can get overconfident in ourselves. We all face temptation. That's the second point that should be on that screen up there. We all face temptation. And so there can be some hope in that, is that there is not a single solitary person in this room who has never experienced the temptation to do something that you know you weren't supposed to do. And here's the really piece, really awesome piece of good news for you. That includes Jesus. This is one of the primary reasons 
that the incarnation or the word becoming flesh, we'll talk about at Christmas, why this is so important. God came in the form of Jesus Christ to live and to walk and to do life the way that we do life. Jesus' half-brother James writes these words from James chapter 1, verses 13. It says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. I think I got my points out of order, but we'll catch up. Right? So all of us have been tempted. God is not the one who tempts us, though. What we see from Jesus' temptation narrative is it's the devil that tempts us. The devil is trying to convince us that we are not worthy of the grace that God has given us. The devil is the one that's trying to get us to venture onto that slippery slope to say, what's well, just one little peek, one little taste, one little sip, whatever. It's the devil that wants to try to say, just one little bit's not going to hurt you. But what God wants us to know is that even the slightest little temptation that we allow our life to succumb to, it puts us on that slippery slope where we easily will get overwhelmed or overcome by temptation. So, words of warning. Remember, don't take God's grace for granted and recognize that every single person here has dealt with temptation. And so my a word of wisdom, so to speak, would be to find yourself a Lenten buddy, someone who can walk with you and work with you and support you. And when you feel tempted to succumb, to slip, call somebody up, send them a text message, whatever, say, hey, I need a little help. I don't want to eat that entire sleeve of Oreos in my pantry. Help me to remember that that's not good for me. Okay? All right, so those are the words of warning. We all have temptation. Therefore, we have some support from other people. We cannot take God's grace for granted. And the good news, the word of wisdom for that, is that God is going to be with us regardless. And so, the really good news is you can overcome temptation with God's help. Hallelujah, right? You can overcome temptation with God's help. You can overcome it with God's help. The thing that I started to say a few minutes ago that I got a little out of order is God knows that temptation is real. God doesn't hold that against you. God knows that temptation is real. The sin is not in being tempted. Now, the devil's going to try to tell you that it is. Oh, you're tempted. You might as well go all the way. No, because even the devil tempted Jesus. In that temptation narrative, Jesus fought back, so to speak. He reasoned back with the devil by quoting Scripture, by knowing the Word of God, being centered, being collected, being brought in. And so, I want you to know that God knows temptation is real. To be tempted is not to sin. To give in to temptation is. Is that clear? That's one of, those, one of those things I think we can easily get misconstrued, is we think that temptation in and of itself is sin. That's not what the scripture says. Here's some good news for you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. We do not have a high priest. The book of Hebrews refers to Jesus as the high priest, right? The ultimate high priest. So we do not have a high priest or Jesus who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet, what? He did not sin. There is the difference. Temptation is not sin. To give into it, however, is. God does not want you to fail, though. 
That's the second point. God does not want you to fail. In fact, he wants to help you. Romans chapter 8 verse 39 says, Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. God wants to help you with the power of the love that he's given you in Jesus Christ. Again, that is the same power that created the heavens and the earth. That is the same power that took the nails on the cross. That is the same power that resurrected Christ from the grave. It is here to help you. Sometimes people think of God as like in that movie, Bruce O'Malley, if you saw that with, uh, with uh, Jim Carrey years and years ago, how he felt like God was the bully with the magnifying glass trying to zap ants. If you remember that scene? It's not how God is. God is not waiting on you to fail. He wants to help. He is giving you his love. He is giving you his power. And the third point is God will always help you out of temptation. God will always help you out of temptation. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, God knows how to rescue the godly from evil trials. God knows how to rescue the godly from evil trials. That's helpful because when you feel that inner turmoil of temptation that wants to slip into sin, it feels as though it's overwhelming, doesn't it? It feels as though there's no escaping it. And I joked on Sunday, the words of Martin Luther, if you're going to sin, go ahead and sin boldly. Sometimes we take that attitude, but we take God's grace for granted. What we need is something to help us in those moments to come out of that temptation and to get recentered. Prayer. Fasting. Giving the disciplines of Lent can be a great help. Also, you cannot eat an entire sleeve of Oreos while you're running on a treadmill. Or so I've heard. <laughs> Talked about on Sunday is the stoppers. What are some behaviors or things that you can do that are completely inconsistent with the temptation that you feel? If it's to go to one establishment or to one whatever... Go somewhere else. Find a way to get out of the environment of the temptation. Find a way to get out of and away from those areas where you know that you are weak. And call upon the strength of God to help you. Because God knows how to rescue the godly from evil trials. We all are going to face evil trials, my friends. There's no doubt about it. The enemy is on the move right now in some pretty astonishing ways. And what we have to be mindful of is that as the enemy feels like it's probably winning, he's going to try to take down more of us with him. And this is where that temptation can become so awfully nefarious. So what we're going to do at the ending of all of these messages during the season is we're going to ask you these closing questions. They're somewhat rhetorical questions, but I want you to think through what it is that we're going through in the content here and to apply these to your life as you apply them to your fasting and your prayer and your giving and your other Lenten disciplines. The first question is, what sin are you struggling with? What is it that seems like it has a magnetic gravitational pull on you right now? Whether it's in this moment, in this season of your life, or whatever. What sin are you struggling with? When you struggle with that sin, 
Are you taking God's grace for granted? Are you taking that approach? And I, I mean, I'm saying this as, you know, Paul would, he described himself as the chief of all sinners. I have literally said, God, I know you're going to forgive me for this anyway, so I'm just going to go ahead and go. I'm going to go ahead and do it. We can't take God's grace for granted. That's one of the things I believe that grieves the Spirit, is when we deliberately and intentionally take God's grace for granted. And the third question is, what stopper can you use or can you employ? That stopper is that behavior, it's that thing, it's that place, it's that whatever that is direct, that runs a direct contradiction to whatever it is that you feel tempted to do. What kind of a stopper can you employ so that you do not slip down the slippery slope from temptation to sin? We would all want you to remember that God will never let you down. And even in those times, when you do slip, when you do fall, when you stumble, I want you to know that God is a God of grace and forgiveness and mercy. He gives us the way out. Sometimes that way out comes with bruising and wounding, doesn't it? But God still provides for us the way out. We are free to make the choices that we want, but we are not free from the consequences of those actions. And so even if you do slip and you stumble and you fall, and you reap the consequences of your behavior, your decisions, your choices. Don't come back and say, well, God, why'd you let that happen to me? You can go back and remember James 1.13. God doesn't do evil. And God's like, well, if you're going to go, if you're going to sin and sin boldly, have at it. But the good news is he's always here to take us back. But friends, please do not use that as an excuse and a reason to take God's grace for granted because of the sacrifice that he made on your behalf and the blood of his son and our Savior Jesus. And it is for him on this Ash Wednesday, as we begin this season of Lent, that we are called to commit or recommit our lives. On the night in which the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples for what would be his last supper prior to the cross. We come to this point on Ash Wednesday because of what happened in that meal. Jesus served, he taught, he loved, he redirected. He pointed, and we do the same as we prepare to come to the table for Holy Communion, but also as we prepare to receive the ashes. These ashes that we have before us this evening, there's nothing magical about them. They're merely symbolic to remind us that we are dust, and to dust we will return. 
That might sound somewhat morbid. But we go back into the Genesis narrative, and we see that God formed Adam out of the what? It rhymes with must. Dust. And then breathed his life into him through his nostrils. We are remembering that we are created by God, formed by his hands, out of the metaphorical dust. And he breathes our life and our soul into us at our conception. The ash reminds us that we are only here for a short period of time. And God wants us to use that time to the best of our abilities to draw closer to him and to draw closer to others. And so, in a few moments, when you come forward to, per, to receive the elements of Holy Communion, your first step will be to receive the ashes of Ash Wednesday. Brent will be on one side of the table, I'll be on the other side of the table. And we will make the sign of the cross on the forehead. And as we do, we will say to you, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. After receiving the ashes, you will step over to the side where our staff and lay leader Gwen Hamill will be serving Holy Communion this evening. More instructions on that in a moment. But may we remember that just before Christ went to the cross, he did indeed share a meal with his disciples. And in so doing, he broke a loaf of bread and then gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat from this, all of you. For this is my body that is given for you. Take and eat and remember. And when that meal was over, the Lord Jesus lifted the cup and in giving thanks to God, he blessed it and passed it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink from this, all of you. For this is the blood of the new covenant, which is a fancy way of saying this is God's new promise of salvation that comes to you through the forgiveness of sins. Not based on your behavior, your accomplishments, your achievements but on your accepting of the fact that you cannot save yourself and that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to be your salvation. And so as often as we, though we may be many, we eat from the one loaf and we drink from the one cup, we proclaim the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus until he comes again. And on this Ash Wednesday, we remember our mortality. We remember our sinfulness, how easily it is for us to succumb to temptation. We remember that we are dust, and to dust we will return, so that we may reorient our lives in prayer and fasting and generosity with our time and our energy and our money, so that we can point people to Jesus. Will you pray with me, please? Living and loving God, I give you thanks for this holy day at the beginning of this holy season. It is a time for us to reflect over how frequently we get it wrong, how frequently we slip from temptation to sin. And Lord, sometimes there is conviction even in thinking that temptation in and of itself is a sin. Therefore, once we've slipped, we might as well go ahead and take the entire trip. Lord, I pray for clarity in moments like this, that we may recognize and realize that you indeed are Lord that knows what it means to be tempted, but you also know what it means not to sin. So if there's anyone in this room this evening or enjoying this message through, or maybe enduring this message, but through our online mediums, I pray, Lord God, that there may be an awareness and an awakening of the spirit and the soul to know that temptation is common for us all and that you want to give us the help that we need 
to stand up against sin. And so I pray, Almighty God, that you pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us who are gathered here, on the ashes that we have, on the loaf, on the cup, that the loaf may be the body of Christ, the cup may be his blood, that we may be his body and blood redeemed by the power of your Spirit, and also reminded of our mortality and our need for a Savior. And so, Lord God, as we bring this prayer to a close and we pray together the words of the Lord's Prayer, I pray that we take these moments to seriously ourselves in your presence, in your power, through prayer, through fasting, and by being generous with our lives. We pray the words of the Lord's Prayer, which are on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.